my mum um, said that she noticed there was no podcast on Saturday. She was not happy. <laughs> Did you tell her it came out on Tuesday? I said it's all Lydia's fault. Fuck off. I said it's all her fault. She hasn't got time for me anymore. <laughs> Yeah, I think I did know. Well, I, I was moving house in my defense. Yeah. At least we have one person that notices. Yeah, I know. Anyway. Right. So we just Ooh. drive straight into it. We're very low energy today. Oh, yeah, we are. We're just this coffee has not kicked in yet. But hello anyway. Yeah. Hi. So we stopped. We did. We finished cult. And then we didn't know what we were going to do. And we decided to do, I don't know what the theme is, killers. I don't know. Well, it, it's like couples who kill, isn't it? That's like the smaller theme. But like yeah. we're just going to do like crimes, I guess, like murders. Because mm. this month we're going to do couples that kill. Next month we're going to take a break and do a Halloween theme. Because yeah. Lydia Let's get spooky lives for that shit. <laughs> and then we're gonna go back and do like kids who kill, women who kill, things like that. I feel like we could do men who kill, but we only ever talk about men who kill anyway. I mean, they're all men, aren't they? But I think this yeah. these kind of themes are probably gonna go on until like the end of twenty twenty. Yeah. Because it's already September. At least there's something planned for the end of 2020. Because who the fuck knows where it'll go. Yeah, true that. So, yeah. So this week we're starting the theme Couples Who Kill and we are starting with Paul Bernardo and Carla Hamolka, Mm -hmm. otherwise known as the Ken and Barbie Killers. They were a formerly married Canadian couple and are perhaps the most famous criminal couple to have come out of Canada. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure that is a fact. <laughs> I mean, not many other than Justin Bieber. There's famous people come out of Canada from the top of my criminal head. Couples. I mean, there's not many criminal couples as it is, but I'm sure this is probably the only one that there is out of Canada. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I haven't heard of any murderers from Canada. I mean, have you? I only like just recently heard of these anyway. But to be fair, some some people like some serial killers I presume that are like American sometimes aren't always American. Yeah, that's true. Anyway. It's so easy to cross that border. That's true. Oh my god, I'm sorry, I'm so yawny. So first we're gonna talk about Carla. Yeah. So Carla was born in nineteen seventeen, Port Credit, Ontario to travelling salesman Carol Homolka, um, a Czechoslovakian immigrant, and his wife Dorothy Seeger, a geriatric clinic employee. She had two younger sisters, Laurie and Tammy. Carla was a bright child and a good student that was doted on by her father. Her father, however, was a depressive alcoholic and would insult Carla, her sisters and her mother during his drunk episodes. From a young age, Carla was described as stubborn and domineering, being unable to compromise with other children and always willing to speak her mind to adults. Carla was known to be bossy at school and would always decide what games her and her friends would play. Which, if you didn't know who she was going to become, you might think, like, cool, feminist. Like, she's a bad bitch. She knows what she wants. Yeah. But, I mean, now I know what she did. She's not bossy. She's strong-minded, as my family would say. Yeah, so but I mean, she's not strong-minded, she's just a fucking psychopath. 
that's true. <laughs> As we will later find out. <laughs> yeah. Um, another fun fact is that Carla and her friends once decided to create a parachute for her friend's hamster oh and God, then threw it out the window. <laughs> Obviously, the parachute didn't work and the hamster died. R.I.P. Hamster. <laughs> Um, Did you ever do that in um, primary school? Obviously no, not with a hamster, but no, you did with eggs. I actually remember, no, not with eggs, but I actually remember like when we lived in Broadstairs still. Um, I don't know whose action man it was. It was probably it was probably Jordan's because I feel like me and Elliot both played with Barbies. But yeah, um, yeah, there was an action man. And he had like a parachute on. And I remember I chucked him out the top window and he just fucking head dived <laughs> straight into the plants in the, in the garden. <laughs> That parachute did not work. But I mean, I didn't do it with a hamster because I'm not a fucking sociopath. Yeah, I know. I remember it was like a a scientific experiment in primary school in year six, and you had to you were put into teams of three, and you had to figure out the best way to protect this raw egg. Like, so it wasn't hard boiled or anything. Oh, I've seen them do that on Modern Family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had to do it, Um, and we got a cream egg at the end if we. if our eggs survived. And, and I remember my survive? team, well, it did until the last three seconds when we were at our table and one of the guys on my team dropped the egg onto the table. What a fucking idiot. <laughs> but we still got cream egg because technically the experiment was over. But, you but, yeah. Did you take his cream egg? No. <laughs> I'd have been like, that's mine. You don't deserve this cream egg. <laughs> <sighs> I did have a few panicked moments thinking I wasn't going to get this cream egg, but. It all worked out in the end. Everything I've worked towards. <laughs> I carried that team. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, obviously the parachute didn't work and the hamster died. And then a couple of weeks later, this is fucked up, Carla decided to dig up the dead hamster to, quote, see what a decomposing body looks like. What I find weird about this especially is that in all my research, everyone says that like Carla really loves animals and she does eventually become a veterinary, veterinary technician. So, but I don't know, I don't know if she's doing it like out of a scientific interest or if it's something darker because a lot of serial killers start off by killing cats, don't they? And it's like, like the, is it, oh, I can't remember what it's called, but it's the something triad. I can't even so think it, of like a specific criminal that did that because I'm pretty sure most serial killers start by killing. Oh them. yeah, they yeah they start like torturing animals in some way or another. Yeah. But, but I don't know. They, if it um, was, I mean, it was, I don't know if she was torturing it or was she? Did she fucking throw out of the window knowing it was going to die? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, she had depressive episodes after she began to attend secondary school, during which she would dress in a non-conforming manner cut herself and claim false suicide attempts as a way to seek attention. I think So non-conforming manner, that means black all over. Black I clothing, mean, I was going to say, that kind of sounds eyeliner. like a non-conforming way. <laughs> with your head, like, with my you head shaved with and my clothing? hat and shirts. But. Yeah, how do, you, how do you conform with your clothing unless you have to wear a uniform? Like... Yeah, that's true. I mean, as well, I think we've all met someone like this that fucking, you know, when you're in secondary school and like, there's always one person that's like, oh yeah, there was one in doing, mine. Like, doing and stuff like this for attention. I'm not going to name who she was. Well, actually, there was a few in mine who used to like seek attention and then yeah, another we one. <laughs> oh my God, another one who didn't have many friends, right? And it's not like 
It, it was because she was weird. It's because she was rude. Do you know what I mean? So, like, my, I went into a very small school, so no one cared if you were a bit weird. Like, but she was just rude. Like, so no one could stand her. And um, I remember she was dating this guy, and we must have been about year nine, year ten, and this guy was convinced he was a vampire. <laughs> He'd only eat and drink red things. Like, I don't think it got towards blood, but... That's so unhealthy. What, he never ate and she went, Well, no, like... But, so she eat, went like, all... I don't know, but she went all goth and everything, and oh it, was, it was all I a big actually, drama. I must admit, I did go through a little goth stage. Everyone loves the trendy goth boy. <laughs> He didn't even go to our school. I think he was like eighteen at the time, so he was way too old to be like. Yeah, there's always something so weird, isn't it? Like everyone wants them, but you're always suspiciously too much older than these girls. Yeah, it's like, oh, he's an older guy. I'm like, yeah, but why is he interested in you? When yeah. <laughs> when you That's what I always think. Like kids. when, like when we're going through like Bumble and like our dating apps, we're like, oh, he's very handsome, but he's 34. What's wrong with yeah. him? There must be something <laughs> exactly. wrong with him. <laughs> I went through. I was scraping through last night, and there was this guy, and he was cute to be fair. Like, and he had a really cute dog. So that is my that's my my thing to make me look at your you profile. Both those boxes. I mean, you're not exactly. you're not hard to please. Have a cute dog. Exactly. You look like he was employed, so that's all you really need, isn't it? And it said that he was 27, and I'm 26 now, so it's perfectly fine, right? And then his profile says 20, not 27. I'm like, well, what's wrong with me then? <laughs> like, <laughs> you're cute, and you're fucking seven years younger, six years younger than me. That's just wrong. Oh, where were we? Just a little uh, diver into Bumble. Yeah, a bit. Where were we? Um. <clears throat> Carla became increasingly rude and disrespectful to her parents as she got older, and her parents' relationship at the same time began to break down. This is fucked up. Carla's mother found out that Carol was having an affair, and her response, honest to God, was literally to invite this mistress over and have a threesome. <laughs> now, I'm not, I'm not here to judge. I'm not judging you, but, I mean, if that's where Carla's got her ideas of what a normal functioning relationship is like, you can kind of understand why she ends up being yeah, a bit fucking weird. But, like, it's one thing for them to do, like, a thruple situation when there's no kids involved. I guess. And, like, it's like a threesome call. I'm not here to judge you. Do your thing. But with a mistress. Yeah. I don't know. But also, when the kids are there and the kids understand what's going on, that's a whole different thing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Before Carla met Paul, she dated a man called Doug. Dougie. (laughs) Douglas, Doug. Carla claims that they had sex and experimented with drugs together. Doug has told his friends that they had pretty normal, boring sex, you know, missionary-like. Yeah, vanilla. Vanilla sex. But Carla, on the other hand, has told elaborate stories involving heavy BDSM. Carla was increasingly developing sadistic and masochistic fantasies. She used Ouija boards, and friends even say they remember seeing small circles carved into her arm, coloured in different nail polish. The fuck? So but also, why is normal sex, like, counted as boring? You're still getting off, like... 
you don't you don't complain in the meantime so why are you telling your mates that it's boring like, <laughs> yeah no this girl this girl's like so mad she's like yeah involved. heavy bdsm yeah well, actually it was like, just really boring but she's so embarrassed she's like yeah heavy but, but like if you both get off what's the problem i think the point is she's fucked up yeah in conclusion she's fucked and that's actually a bit um not strange, but um, the fact that he's not lying to his friends about it, saying like, "Oh yeah, it was more than what it was." You know I mean? know, which makes it, which makes you think that she's probably actually is lying, like probably fabricating yeah, these yeah, things. Yeah. Because what, what, would, what kind of teenage guy would be like, "Yeah, we had boring sex." You'd be like, "No, I did exactly da da to her." Exactly. So let's get into a bit about Paul. So, Paul Bernardo was born in 1964, Ooh, the same year my dad was born, in Scarborough, Canada. He was born to Kenneth and Marilyn Bernardo. His parents' marriage was an unhappy one. No surprise there. Side note, how many serial killers or rapists have you ever <laughs> known that come out from happy marriages? Yeah, but it's always, it's always I feel like... Serial killers always come from like single parent homes, and they have massive yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. issues. So there's not that this is not to say every single parent neglects their child. Yeah, of course not. But it's there is some sort of there's something missing. Do you know what I mean? Like either the single parent is working all the time to put food on the table and stuff like that, and so they have to fend for themselves to a certain extent. Mm, I think I mean? as well, like where the majority of serial killers like the infamous ones have come from is like the 60s 70s 80s and at, yeah. at that time if you're a single mother like you you have to focus on yourself like you have to do your thing like you have to work really hard and not that's not like a criticism but i think like a lot a lot of these children ended up being like home alone on their own blah 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 yeah that's what i mean like so they they're missing that sort of connection a little bit yeah but like it was also still it wasn't taboo to an extent but you were singled out from being a, from a single parent household. Yeah, Whereas that's it's, yeah. It's normal now. Like that's true as well. Like all serial killers, because they had that in common. Like it was made like a big deal. Like exactly, the media kind of played on it as well. But yeah, I'm like I know I say like a lot of the time it's like oh mummy issues and daddy issues. That's like rather than blaming the parent that left for neglect you're blaming the kid for their issues from that neglect mm, does that make yeah. sense yeah when they have no control over it but then not every child from a single parent household goes on to be a serial killer or a serial rapist so That's let's true. just clarify that <laughs> if they did there'd be a lot more that we didn't know about <laughs> um kenneth was a disgusting excuse of a human being let's just get straight into it <laughs> <laughs> um paul's early life was actually really sad and uh, well you say you would have felt sorry for him no i've said so i said that you would actually feel sorry for him if he didn't end up being such a piece of shit because he actually had a true. really sad upbringing true but actually he's a piece of shit so i don't feel sorry for him yeah yeah that's true yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> just to clarify that because i was like mm, i wouldn't feel too sad about it like Plenty of people come from shit upbringings and they make something of themselves. Oh, yeah, but this is, like, fucking next level. Yeah. 
this is uh, this is what I said to you, wasn't I, when we were in Pizza Hut? Like, you get two types of people who have shit done to them or happen to them. They either make something of themselves and use that to strengthen themselves, or they think that the world owes them something mm. because they've gone through that. Yeah, and I'm not really sure if like Paul, especially like, blames his upbringing. I don't think he ever really brought it up. No, as like a reason for why he was the way he was. But I don't think that. I think he's like so. His ego is like too big to comprehend. Yeah, he can't comprehend the fact that actually his shitty childhood is part of the reason for this. Do you know what I mean? He just thinks like, well, I I wanted to do what I did, so I did it. Like, fuck you. Yeah. Um. So when I imagine Paul would have would have been fairly young, but his father faced charges for being a peeping tom, paedophile. And was also found to be molesting Paul's sister, which is just fucking horrendous. Yeah, it's pretty fucked. So peeping Tom Pedophile. So he was only peeping on children, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. So there's the uh, justification of why he was a disgusting human being. <laughs> um, Paul's mother, mother suffered from depression and tended to remove herself from the family. She'd leave the family unattended to visit other relatives during the weekend and eventually retreated and moved into the basement. So there's the like emotional neglect, I suppose. I feel like that would be me if I was a mum. <laughs> I'd be like, you know what, I've really it's been like two weeks straight of you and I've had enough. Like I'm going into the basement. <laughs> just give me one night. Please. Yeah, I just want to be alone with my fucking Nintendo Switch. <laughs> Um, young Paul seemed oblivious to his broken home and was described as a happy child, but he soon gained a compulsion to make fires during his time in the Boy Scouts. Pretty sure that's another. Let me let me just look what this triad thing. You make fires in Boy Scouts, don't you? Yeah, but he's probably making fires where you shouldn't be making yeah. fires. He's like <laughs> setting fire to cats and stuff. I don't, actually, I don't know because I was in the Scouts and I don't think I ever made a fire. I was in guides for a short period of time. That breaches health and safety, probably. Yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. So the triad, which is the McDonald triad, is cruelty to animals, obsession with fire setting, and persistent bedwetting past a certain age, which leads to violent behaviours, particularly homicidal behaviours, and sexual predatory behaviour. So I'm pretty sure he ticks all those boxes. That's mental that you can. I know it's not. I mean, I know it's not 100% reliable, but that's mental that you can narrow it down to like three defining yeah. characteristics. Yeah, and it's probably, and it's not a case of you have to have all three. It's just commonly the yeah, all three are involved in some way. Yeah. Um, <sighs> so, like, I don't think he ever abused animals, but he had the fire set in. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And yeah. he had the unstable home life. Like, Well, this is where it gets interesting, this next bit. Yeah. I think. In 1981, uh, 16-year-old Bernardo was told after an argument between his parents that Kenneth Bernardo wasn't his biological father. But, sorry, that's just fucking horrendous. Why are you telling a child after an argument between I'd you and I'd be fucking buzzing. I'd be like, thank you, this pedo is not my dad, thank yeah. God. But, I mean, he reacts the other way. Yeah, yeah, exactly, blames the mother. So he'd been, he was told that he'd been conceived as a result of a sexual encounter between Marilyn and another man, repulsed 
just fucking just shows how much of a wanker he is. He knows the type of man his father is, and then he calls his mother a slut and a whore for turning mm. to the comfort of someone else. Like, so she reciprocated by calling him a bastard. Not sure why he wasn't thrilled at the idea of Kenneth not being his biological father. Oh my god! I remember. I remember when I was. Fucking, I remember when I was little because I was like six months old when my parents were married. When I was like in primary mm. school, you know, when you say stuff and you don't realize like you're being a fucking idiot. Yeah. I used to tell people like I'm a bastard because my parents weren't married when I was born, and then obviously they got married and they were married when I was in primary school. So everyone's like, "What the fuck are you on about, Grace? Like, shut up." I remember my cousin so my cousin is from single parent household um I was probably only like 10 I was like dad what does that mean because obviously that's a bad word and he's like no it means like children who are <laughs> born out of like marriage I was like oh so Rebecca's a bastard <laughs> <laughs> he was like technically yes but don't go around telling her that <laughs> yeah but shut up don't say that yeah <laughs> Yeah, like, that's what it used to mean, not now. <laughs> um, so after graduation, Bernardo was employed by the American company Amway, whose <sighs> polemic sales culture deeply influenced him. Polemic, what does that mean? The sales culture, like... Hit the like the male-dominated. Persuasive persuasive like winning over the customer like all of that like yeah like wolf of wall street basically yeah 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 kind of like a budget version he bought books and tapes from famous motivational speakers and applied their lessons when he and his friends met young women in the bars seducing many successfully Fucking, I would have not done well. I mean, I don't do well in this year, but I would not I mean, have done well back like, then. Not, I feel, I feel like disgusting even saying this. But have you seen pictures of him? Because he is handsome. I think he looks like the guy from Don't Fuck with Cats. Mm, a little bit. Mm. Yeah. I don't know, but like he's very, but, he's very like nineteen seventies handsome. Like he does look so, like Ken. So I don't think you've put this in here, but apparently he was a failed rap artist. Oh, stop it. Oh, my God, no, it is in there. Is it? It is in his somewhere because, yeah, one of their victims, they, they like, keep her in the basement for, like, a week and then they play her and then suddenly, like, he's like, listen to my music and this girl's like, that's shit, and then he kills her. Which isn't funny because that's actually true, but that's not. It's not funny. I mean, you shouldn't laugh about it, but like, but it's funny because like, how fucking self-involved and delusional can you be? Exactly. So by the time he began attending University of Toronto at Scarborough, Bernardo had developed serious, seriously dark sexual fantasies. One of which was building a virgin farm, where he would breed virgin girls to rape. Like, fuck off. Very that's not a like fantasy. That's like homicidal thoughts. Like, he's, just, mean? he's just fucking. He's fucking. Sexual fantasy is fancying like your boss and Sexual thinking about like, situations. Oh, like, yeah, like oh, I don't even want to talk about it because my I know my mum listens, but like. People, people have normal sexual fantasies. This is fucking yeah. weird. Yeah, this is what I mean. This is not just a sexual fantasy. This is like this it's is like a crime sticking. fantasy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he also enjoyed forceful anal sex and degraded his dates in public. 
and was incredibly abusive. No surprise there, really. We all know he's a wanker, so. But how how did he keep getting dates? Like, because like, I said he's handsome. You see a guy and they're handsome and then, I don't know. Is it just me that would not stand for someone tr- talking no, to me like a piece is, of shit? This is what it then goes on to say, like, his relationships become shorter and shorter. Like, he only goes on a couple True. of dates with these girls and they're like, you're, you're a psychopath. Yeah. It's I like, suppose, like, like, after the Bumble, first date. Like, you're going on Bumble and these people are handsome. You don't know. That guy that you just swiped right on Bumble could be literally a serial killer. This is my thing. Like, you're not going to know someone until you meet them. Like, There's actually a podcast that I listen to. I think it is Red Handed. I listen to about Plenty of Fish. Yeah, I think he was done just, one on he them. Was disguised as a woman, and these guys would meet this woman. He was like, "Yeah, come in, just come to my garage. I'll be upstairs getting yes. ready to let yourself in." Like, what the fuck? Anyway, yeah, these guys would let themselves in, and then they would be murdered by this guy. Like, yeah. you don't actually know who you're meeting on these dating sites. It's kind of that's scary. why I only ever swipe on verified accounts. Do you? <laughs> yeah, uh, like ever. It'll be very rare that I don't. Well, I mean, my dating life is few and far, few and far between, but. When there is a day. I mean, it's 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 got me nowhere yet. So. Yeah, but when there is a date, then I would at least tell you and Jez like, um, I'm going here, and I tell oh, my yeah, you share like you share your location with us and everything. Yeah, I make always, sure always. we do. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, anyway. I mean, I'm up in Liverpool, so there's not much I can do. Yeah, imagine <laughs> she hasn't moved in two hours. I better take that six-hour journey down. <laughs> So, as we've just said, over time his relationships became shorter and shorter and Bernardo would sometimes date more than one woman woman at the same time. In all cases, he was abusive and threatened to kill his girlfriends if they ever spoke to other people about the treatment he was subjected them to. Like, just chop off his balls already. (sighs) Like... In 1986, two women were granted restraining orders against Bernardo for making obscene phone calls to them. Like, if ever anyone says to you, like, if you say anything like this or whatever, file a police report straight off. Like, even if it doesn't go anywhere to a restraining order, they've got they've got um, a record now that he's been abusive. Do you know what I mean? That, that's also kind of scary. Like, you could meet someone and you would never have any idea, like, this guy's got two restraining orders against him. Yeah. You would never know that. I think, isn't it... I I get confused about the laws, but over here, if someone's on the sexual offenders register, you can go to the police station and ask. I think you can actually go online and there's... Is it online? You can actually find it online, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Not that I haven't ever looked, but yeah. Because it's like, is it like Millie's Law or something like that? It was after a young girl was... Um, yeah, they have to now killed. announce it. Between 1987 and 1990, the Scarborough District in Toronto was held in fear due to a series of violent rapes with the attacker targeting women, many of whom by bus at night. Sorry. It's said that he would identify this would-be victim as they got off buses late at night and he would stalk them as they walked home. Many of the rapes took place close to the victims' homes, either in front of their parents' house, in their backyards, and even sometimes in their own bedrooms as he gained access to their home. I actually read one where he follows her home um, and she's going back to her parents' house and he literally rapes her on the front lawn. Yeah, like the majority of them, they were like in the back garden or on the front lawn. Like that's how he would find them. He'd walk home, like 
behind them from the bus station and then just do it. Like, and there's also another one where um, the he went into this girl's bedroom. She was like 15, I think. He went into her bedroom um, and he actually didn't manage to rape her, which is really lucky because mm. her mum came in and started like screaming and he just like ran off. Mm. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean. So as the levels of violence in the attacks grew, the local police established a task force to try and catch the rapist. Detectives within the task force were assigned to stake out local bus stations in plain clothes. In May 1988, an officer spotted someone matching the attacker's description, lurking under a closed-by tree, watching the bus station. When the officer approached, the suspect escaped on foot. This suspect would later be identified as Paul Bernardo, so he very nearly got caught. Mm-hmm. Essentially, and that was like fairly early on as well. Well, imagine if you'd caught him then, you'd have stopped all of the rest of the stuff that happened. Yeah, but if they had caught him, he'd be going to jail for rape, so he'd be out within a fucking year. Like, obviously, you don't want him to go on to murder people, but he's now in prison for life, which is where he deserved to be all along. Yeah, that's true. Between 1986 and 1992, Paul Bernardo raped more than 13 women with at least six attempted more rapes. The ages of the victim ranged between 15 and 22 years old. Piece of shit. So, this is, this is where it gets juicy. Mm. In 1987, Paul and Carla's paths crossed. Finally, star-crossed lovers they've now met. Fucking hell. That's one Paul graduated from college and he got a job as a junior accountant at Pricewaterhouse. On May of that year, Bernardo raped two women and attempted to rape another in July. So he's a pretty well-established rapist now. He just doesn't care about being caught, does he? No, he actually doesn't. In October, Bernardo and Hamalka met in a hotel restaurant. He was 23 and she was 17. Hamalka had come to Scarborough to attend a pet store conference. I'm not really sure what that is, but it sounds fucking (laughs) awesome. They were instantly attracted to each other and they were having sex that same night, just a few hours after they met. I mean, Carla, hun, keep it in your fucking knickers, please. But then that happens all the time as well. Oh my God, a few hours? No way. I mean, if you're on a night out and you meet someone, there's plenty of women who take guys back or vice versa. It's less than a few hours. I yeah, but she's know. seventeen. I don't know. That's true. Know. Yeah, and if then, I was when I was seventeen, I was not ballsy enough to take someone to a hotel. No fucking way. <laughs> so after this night, Bernardo would then drive to see Hamalco twice a week, um, and the drive was quite long. I think it was like a two-hour drive. Mm. Slowly, he came to control her whole life, deciding how she would dress, style, eat, um, and what she would believe in. Carla's family, as it turns out, actually fucking loved Paul. Her sisters always said that he was the brother they always wanted and never had. Um, and unlike his previous girlfriend, Samaka was actually really easy to easily submitted to and encouraged his sexual behaviour. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't end their relationship, but the revelation that Hamaka wasn't a virgin when they first met really upset Bernardo. Because remember Doug? Our mate yeah. Doug? Yeah, and he also has this fantasy of virgins. That's why he goes for younger girls. Yeah, yeah. Um, On December 24th, 1989, Paul and Carla became engaged at Niagara Falls. But like I already said, this guy's already raping. He's been raping Mm. for two years. Yeah. 
Um, mm, three years. Yeah. I wonder when she found out. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. Do you reckon? Like, oh, maybe she never knew. Oh, but she did know. She must have found out at some point. Yeah. So, like, how does that conversation come about? Maybe she just figured it out. I mean, they didn't really have many secrets. True. Anyway, in May 1990, the police decided to show the com- the composites, the composite, Com- composite, yeah, composite, composite sketch composite. to the public, launching a massive number of tips. Friends and previous girlfriends of Bernardo saw the release sketch and tried to contact the police, but the officers were overwhelmed with other tips and were unable to follow up on them. In November, two detectives visited Bernardo to interview him and took blood, saliva and hair samples from him, but they wouldn't be tested for another two years due to DNA testing being so new. So he literally, they interviewed him and he was like, yeah, sure, take my blood and my saliva. Like, he literally didn't care. No, he still didn't care. He just didn't thought care. he wouldn't get caught. But the problem yeah. was, it was like, in this, in the task force, wherever they were, Scarborough, there was like one guy that could do the DNA testing. Yeah. And it took so long. They were overwhelmed, like, stuff like this hadn't had never happened before. Like, Yeah, and it was so it just... new. Yeah. So he just kind of thought, well, they're never going to catch me, even though he gave them blood and saliva. So remember that he yeah. did that because it comes up fucking later. Mm-hmm. Um, and when the police also asked Paul why they thought he was being investigated, he just said, you know, I guess I kind of look like the picture. <laughs> like, oh, God. He was like, yeah, here's my blood and saliva. I look like the picture. Try and catch me if you can. Like he didn't yeah. care. That's too much. So... Here's where we get into it. So, as 1990 progressed, Bernardo became increasingly obsessed with Hamolka's 15-year-old sister, Tammy. And they both looked like twins, like her and her sister. Yeah. Tammy, you could tell, was just the youngest, like yeah. the younger version. I mean, because Tammy's like, what, 15? So, I get, oh, I can't think of the exact time. But it's only a couple of years difference. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so there's, what, like three, maybe four years difference? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, So Paul began to pressure Carla into letting him have sex with Tammy. He spied on her and hatched a plan to rape her with Homolka's assistants, who would also make sure that Tammy remained a virgin until that moment. Now, Carla was all about pleasing Paul, and Carla would do anything he wanted, and they established a sub-dom relationship very early on. Paul was very upset that Carla wasn't a virgin, as we said, and he was really upset about this because he had the real thing a real thing for taking girls' virginity, usually without their consent. <laughs> <laughs> Paul would make Carla dress up as Tammy during sex and act like Tammy. Oh Again, my god. They basically look like twins anyway, so what you get the dress to dress up for. Just uh, it's keep like, it in your no, head. like a school girl uniform, it's so fucked. Like just keep it in your head, mate. Like stop announcing that you're a fucking paedophile bear in mind he was like 27 28 at the time yeah and he's a bit older wanting to her to dress up as a 15 year old like there's too much too much too much a first attempt to rape tammy during a summer trip on july 24th involves carla lacing her sister's meal with valium stolen from her workplace again she worked at a veterinary surgery so 
it wasn't normal Valium, it was like animal strength Valium. Um, Carla made Tammy a plate of spaghetti laced with the Valium. So Tammy went out cold and Paul began to rape her while Carla was watching. Tammy woke up after one minute and obviously didn't realise what had happened as she thought she'd just fallen asleep. So they didn't yeah, so like, they, they like laced over the time. She her. passed out and then they're like, oh, I don't know what happened to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just fell you asleep. You passed out. Yeah. yeah. You okay, babe? The second attempt happened on December 24th following a Christmas dinner in the Homolka family home. And Carla described this as gifting her sister to the dinty to Paul for his Christmas present. While the parents slept upstairs, the couple invited Tammy to hang out with them in the basement and watch a movie. They offered Tammy some rum and eggnog, obviously spiked. Like, do you remember, like, wanting to hang out with your sister? And, like, it's what makes it so sad is because, like, you would never think that your fucking sister would spike you so her yeah. boyfriend could fucking rape you. And, like, yeah. when you're, like, 15, all you want to do is hang out with your big sister and, like, her friends or her boyfriend. Like, yeah. you want to be cool like that. Like... Imagine your sister, you're 15 and your sister's like, do you want some rum and eggnog? Fuck yeah, I want some rum and eggnog. <laughs> so, yeah. So Carla spiked Tammy's drink with halothane, yeah. and which is a tranquilizer, a pet tranquilizer. I don't know how strong it is, but... Yeah, I mean, it's I really strong, but it's really... also... I think it's also kind of like a liquid. Yeah, it's a bit like chloroform. Yeah, because, yeah, that's, yes, that's exactly what I like, because she also put it on, like, a cloth. Yeah, and any time she'd, like, start to stare again, she'd hold the cloth to her mouth. Yeah. Yeah. So, once she was unconscious, they undressed her, and Bernardo proceeded to rape her while Carla videotaped them. Detectives said that it literally goes from the Christmas celebrations to this horrific graphic, graphic rape. And it wasn't just Paul raping Tammy. Carla also actively joined in while Paul videoed her. This is what I think. This is what gets me. Like, the most that makes me feel sick is that, like, she fucking raped her sister. Oh, Mm -hmm. I feel bad for people listening because it's disgusting. Mm. Carla is just as involved as Paul. To think that she is now free is unbelievable to us. Whenever Tammy would wake up again, Carla would hold the rag soaked with the anaesthetic halothane, also stolen from her workplace, over Tammy's nose and mouth. So not only has she ingested the halothane, she's also now inhaling it too. And I think as well, I'm not sure if I... um. Oh yeah, ignore me. Cut that bit out. Ignore me. You were talking about it okay. in a minute. Uh, Tammy began to vomit and stop breathing. Instead of trying to help her... The couple simply dressed her and moved her to her bedroom, cleaned up the evidence and then called 911. Although Tammy had visible chemical burns on her face from the halothane, her death was ruled as an accidental death. Paul explained the chemical burn away as a carpet burn from where he dragged her to her bedroom. Not sure why that didn't raise any questions of why he dragged her to the bedroom. Yeah, so let's pause here. A couple of things. Firstly, why the fuck are you dragging her into her bedroom? Why is she in the basement? Yeah. Why did no one question that? Secondly... Also, she's a 15-year-old. You could easily pick her up. Why has no one said that? How are you dragging her as well for her face to drag? What, are you dragging her by the feet? Yeah. And also, have you seen the picture of her? No. This chemical burn covers like her whole face. It's horrendous. Let me There's look. Like, I don't know how they... 
explained it away as a carpet burn. It's so obviously a chemical burn, but also what's really sad is like they never did like any autopsy or anything. So obviously, like the traces of halothane and whatever never popped up. Yeah, they basically said uh, yeah, she, she vomited was, while she was asleep. Like she, she got, got drunk she got vomited, drunk yeah. and then like choked on her. Own I'm sorry, but I've had carpet burns before. That looks in no way like a carpet burn. If you don't want to look at the photos, you don't have to. But her name is Tammy Hamalka. If you just type in like Tammy Hamalka chemical burn or whatever you can see it it's horrendous like there's no there's no yeah. way that's a carpet burn no no way it also doesn't drag either but even even if you were like cool that's a carpet burn why is it on her fucking face how are you dragging her yeah, yeah. it's not right but anyway it didn't needless to say it didn't um, raise any concerns and they basically they just got away with it well he was that big of a narcissist he would have been able to talk his way out of it like to say like you know, she just got a bit bit too drunk. Like, we shouldn't have really given her anything to drink, blah, blah, blah. Like, I think also, like, you know I mean? your, Tammy's parents, like, you would never imagine that Carla did that. No, 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 no. Because they were, like, really close. Yeah, yeah. At the funeral, Bernardo was caught stroking Tammy's hair. She laid in the open casket. Casket? Who do I think I am? <laughs> casket. As she laid in the open casket. <laughs> yeah, okay. As she laid into the open casket. Yeah. I'll go through it. <laughs> and a 1993 exclamation revealed that the couple had also placed a photo of them both in the casket. This is another thing. Okay, so I've never got so invested. Are you joking? I've never got so invested in a case where I've actually, this. I've Googled so much about this case. I've never usually got yeah. like this. Usually I'm like, Wikipedia, cool, done. This photo's horrible. It's like a Polaroid of them two sat on the sofa as a couple, like quite close up. You can just see Carla in paul's faces but they're like yeah. smiling it's like the creepiest thing that oh, it's literally it's like they're smiling horrendous. like like hi we killed you they're just pieces of shit they're like asking to be caught it's horrible yeah bernardo and carla then moved to port dalhousie where they filmed themselves while role-playing sexual encounters between bernardo and tammy carla played the part of her sister and wore her clothes to reinforce the fantasy Ugh, I hate them. This is where it gets. This is where it gets like fucked up. Yeah. Three weeks after Tammy's death, Paul and Carla filmed a video that is known as the Fireside Chat. They fil- filmed this in the Hamolka home, and the video had been shown in court as ev- evidence. You can even read the transcript. It's fucking awful. It starts in the basement where they killed Tammy. The two of them are naked, and they're doing various sexual acts while Carla literally says multiple times how she, much she enjoyed watching Paul rape Tammy and how she loved to join in. Ugh. They're both fucking terrifying. Let's just emphasise that. <laughs> she also says she likes watching him rape another girl the other day, implicating him in another rape. Oh, it's... So she's known, like, I just don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how that conversation comes up initially. Like, you know what? My biggest fantasy is to just follow girls from the bus stop and rape them. And by the way, it's not a fantasy. I've done it plenty of times before. Uh, Yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) Carla goes on to say that she wants four children with Paul so that, that he can rape all of them too. So if this wasn't bad enough... It then cuts to them both in Tammy's bedroom. Carla is dressed as Tammy and is literally pretending to be Tammy, saying things like, I hope Carla doesn't find out. And then eventually they have sex together. And as he climaxes, 
He literally says, Tammy, I love you. <laughs> How it- romantic. I like obviously I read the chat because I had to like like that's how I found out all this stuff but it's like when you horrible. said how bad it was I was like nope not doing it oh thanks. it's horrible you're reading and she's like she's like giving him oral sex at the at the fire in the next to the fire and she's saying yeah. like um oh my god I think she's calling his dick like snuffles or something <laughs> something like that like she calls it snuffles she's like oh I, like I love snuffles like I love when oh snuff God. like Tammy loves snuffles too. Oh, it's fucked. But she's oh. she like this video obviously totally implicates her as well. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, al- yeah. also when they go up to Tammy's bedroom, he's like she's obviously gone off to go get changed, and mm-hmm. you know she's doing that. What's that show? Where it's like tonight. I'm gonna be. Oh, is it Stars in Her Eyes? <laughs> yeah, she's gone to Stars in Her Eyes herself up as Tammy. Yeah. Um. And he's, like, walking around Tammy's bedroom, like, zooming in on pictures of her, like, oh, look, it's my little Tammy, like, my baby girl, Tammy. I love you, Tammy. Oh, it's just, it's just fucked. Die in prison. It sucks. I know, that's not how it happens. So, yeah, they get away with this um, horrific crime. I'm, I'm not really sure how, but time passes. And on June 7th, 1991, Carla invites a teenager that she's befriended at work who was only ever known as Jane Doe to their new home. Carla invites this girl for a night out and they went shopping, had dinner and then Carla invites her back to her house for a few drinks and to watch a movie. You know, it's not weird. Like no. people do that, don't they? Like I I yeah. when I was reading it as so well, I was thinking of like freshers, like yeah. you were all random people. Like we just met up with random people and like went out for dinner and like went out for drinks and like yeah. got to know people. Like it's not weird. Like, you'd never really see any red flags by her being like, you know what, after you've had a few drinks, like, do you want to just come back and watch a movie? Like, that's not necessarily a red flag. No, and I think also Carla's kind of young. I mean, she's probably not a teenager. I can't really know. I can't really think the exact timeline. She's She's probably, probably like, early 20s by now. 1991, so she's probably, like, 21, I would say. Yeah. Um, So, you know, it's like like a girlfriend. And you trust your girlfriends. Like, yeah. It's sad. Anyway, Carla laced this girl's drink with halophane, and after she passed out, Carla told Bernardo that she had a surprised wedding gift waiting for him. When Paul got there, they both got undressed, and then they filmed themselves as they raped her. Carla started the rape in this video. Awful. Jane Doe woke up the next day with nausea. This is what I find so sad. She left without even realising that she'd been raped. She just thought... She was hungover because this was the first time she'd ever drunk alcohol. Like, that is awful and it's incredibly sad. But, like, you'd be in pain as well, though, like, down there. Do you know what I mean? I guess you're right. I didn't really think of that. I don't know. Especially if she's only young, it might have been her first time having sex. Like, I don't know. But imagine I if that was imagine. her first time, you've lost your virginity and you didn't even remember it. Yeah, so, like, you're, you'd at least feel a bit bruised because they're not going to go easy either. No. Both of them. So, I don't know. I just... I don't know. But maybe the Hall of Fame was still in her system, so it was still, like, numbing her a little bit. Yeah, that's true. Well. But either way, she didn't realise. And in, yeah. all, in August, she was invited over again. Paul and Carla, basically they did the same thing to this girl as they'd done to Tammy. Jane also stopped breathing while she was being raped. 
Carla called 911 because she stopped breathing, but then called back to say that everything's fine because they'd revived her. So the ambulance that they'd called literally turned around and nothing was ever followed up. I mean, I can't imagine that ever happening today. Like, Can you imagine being like, someone's died and they called it, don't worry, then they're not dead anymore. Yeah. You'd still go and check up on them, surely? Yeah. Jane Doe obviously never saw either of them again, but she didn't press charges either. So I don't know really how aware she was of what happened, whether she was too scared. I think maybe she had an idea, but obviously she's got little, little evidence because it's and two I mean, people's And I mean, she works with Carla as well. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I don't know. There really wasn't much information about what happened after that, but obviously they found out about her. But this is like when, when they find out about everything... Yeah. They then found out about this Jane Doe girl. And the fact that you yeah. have to call her Jane Doe, you know, she's obviously underage. Oh, yeah, definitely. Early is 16, because I don't know what the age for Canada is. Yeah, that's true. On June 15th, Bernardo took a detour to Burlington to steal license plates to use in his smuggling business. He steals license plates and he also smuggles cigarettes in through the border. I mean, of all things to smuggle. Like. I don't really know how you make a living off that because I don't know. You, I presume you can still fucking get cigarettes in Canada, but I don't really know how it works. Yeah, but it might be like there's a tax or something. Yeah. So on this um, at detour, he met 14-year-old Leslie Mahaffey, who had been locked outside her home in punishment for missing her curfew. So what's what's sad is that she she goes out with some friends and they drop her off. They literally drop her off at the curb of her house and they're like, mm. are you going to get in? She goes she goes to the front door and it's locked because her parents mm. have locked it out of spite because she's late. Um, oh. And she says, I know, how horrible. And she says to her friend, like, don't worry, I'm sure the back door will be open. Like, you just go, like, I'll find a way in. Cool. Yeah. So she's ringing and ringing and ringing her parents and Bernardo approaches her and offers her a cigarette. So she goes with Bernardo for a cigarette and he leads her to his car where he blindfolds her, forces her inside the car and drives her to Port Dalhousie or wherever, where he lives with Carla um, and tells Carla that they have a quote playmate. I mean, I remember like when I was younger being locked out of the house, not like deliberately, but like they've not realised I've had a key and stuff. You just don't even think about that happening, do you know what I mean? Like, not at night time though. I feel like if I ever, like, at fourteen, well, at fourteen, I don't think I'm really going out with my friends who can drive or going out with my friends that late anyway. But if no. I did, my mum would stay up and wait for me to come home. Oh, so you know, they'd be in their bedroom, but they wouldn't like. They were never too worried. Like... I feel like every time, every time when I was like growing up, like. When I would come home, mum would be in the living room, wait, like waiting, making sure that I was home. Really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Like that's like a thing that I definitely remember. I don't know. I think my parents were just like they obviously cared if anything happened, but like they never thought of anything happening. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I don't know. So Carla and Paul filmed themselves as they raped Leslie, um, and after Mahaffey's blindfold fell off, they decided to murder her. So this comes from claims from Carla, who said that once she could identify them, they decided that they had to kill her. But Bernardo says that Carla was the one who instigated the idea of murdering her. 
Mm. So they're kind of blaming each other. They moved the body into the basement while they dined with the Hamalka family upstairs for a Father's Day dinner. So they literally, literally made small talk and ate Father's Day dinner and chatted to their family while there's a dead body in the basement. Like, there must be a word for that. And, yeah, well... the type of person who can do that. But also, why do they keep killing people on these, like, significant days? Like, Christmas Eve, they killed Tammy. Yeah. Father's Day, they killed this girl. And I think... The next girl they killed on like Mother's Day or something like, I don't know. I suppose they maybe see it as like a a significant like it's already a significant day. I think that they actually get kicks out of it. I think that they do it and then they're like, "Cool, let's go and have oh, dinner. Like, let's act normal." Yeah, it's like it's like an addict. Like the longer down the the line their addiction gets, the more the stakes need to be raised a bit more to get that adrenaline rush. Yeah. The more drugs or whatever they need to take and then eventually they end up overdosing. Like, the stakes have got to be raised all the time because they'll get used to the rush and that's what happens in the next one. Yeah. So after the family left, Paul then dismembered Leslie's body and encased the remains in cement. They then threw the remains in Lake Gibson the remains of Leslie were found by two fishermen on June 29th, the exact same day that Bernardo and Hamalka were married. So they're literally sat there eating cake, getting married, mm-hmm. and this girl's body is being fished out of the river. Yeah. Fucked. It is fucked. It's because they didn't even set the cement right, so there were all bubbles in it, and that's why it's... Because otherwise it wouldn't float to the top. Yeah. So... On April 16th, 1992, Bernardo and Hamalka abducted 15-year-old Kristen French as she exited the Holy Cross Catholic Secondary School. Hamalka had been posing as a tourist in need of directions while Bernardo approached her from behind, blindfolded her and forced her into the car. The abduction took place in broad daylight and clearly they both didn't give a fuck about getting caught anymore. They'd gotten Mm. used to their little game and they needed higher stakes each time. Yeah, it's like what I just said about the addiction. It's an addiction to them. Yeah. Because the area the abduction took place um, in and the fact that it was in daylight, it left quite a number of witnesses, but the witnesses identified the wrong car and they were basically fucking useless in helping the police. I think they said, like, he was driving, like, um, a beige something, some old car. Or something like that. But he was actually driving a gold Nissan, I think it was. Yeah. And so they had yeah. posters of the wrong car. Like, they literally had billboards of this car, like, have you seen this car? Yeah. And it was the wrong car. So after they abduct Kristen, they rape her for three days before strangling her with the same cord used to kill Leslie. During her captivity, French was... Ne- oh, this is, this is the bit where I'm talking about... This is... So Kristen is the one who Paul played his music video music tapes for yeah and she was like the shit yeah um (laughs) during her captivity french was never blindfolded and was forced to ingest large amounts of alcohol watching the recordings of mahaffey's rape the recordings of her parents on the news and she was made to act in a submissive manner towards bernardo though she did become confrontational at the end so i mean that's good Mm. she's willing to fight Despite the absolute torture the two put her through, Kristen fought hard to leave a trail of clues behind to help her help the police find her. Her shoes were found at the crime scene of the abduction, 
along with a portion of a Toronto roadmap. The map was later tested and many believe that she left these things behind for people to know where she was taken from. I think that's so clever. Yeah. I would never think to do that. Yeah, because a lot of the time if if it, someone goes missing, especially if they're walking home from school, it's hard to pinpoint exactly the location where they were abducted from unless there's someone actually seeing it. Yeah. Like, so they'll go on CCTV cameras and try and follow them as they're walking around, but there's going to be blind spots somewhere. Like, yeah. And also this was the 90s, so I don't think CCTV was as big as it is now. Um. So after they killed Kristen, mm. the couple left the body in the home and then obviously went to have dinner with Carla's family. Because what else are you going to do? They later washed it and cut its hair before they threw it on the Burlington dumpster. Bernardo was interviewed by two police officers a month after French's murder, but they considered him an unlikely suspect, even after he admitted to have been interviewed previously in connection to the Scarborough rapes. I think he was just so convincing. Do you know why they cut her hair? No. Because hair takes longer to decompose. So even when the body's decomposed... Uh, so you could be a skeleton, but you've still got hair. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's fucking horrible. Yeah, just doesn't con- decompose in the same way. That's crazy. Way. I literally never yeah. knew that. I mean, I guess it makes sense now I think about it. It's like but it's like, like teeth it, and... Well, yeah, that's what they, they think of burning the fingerprints off and pulling the teeth out and stuff, but a lot of the time they stick the hair there and you can still get the follicles, so you can still get the DNA from it if they've not burnt it or oh something God, like that. You would definitely be able to get away with murder. I have no interest in that, thank you. Let's announce that to the internet. Like, <laughs> let's, let's shut that down right now. So on December 27th of the same year, Bernardo savagely beat Hamolka with a flashlight, leaving her with bruises on her limbs and two black eyes. I'm pretty sure you, like, cracked her eye socket as well. Oh, my God, yeah. Well, that's what I've... I've have you looked at the photo as well? Yeah, yeah. It's Fucking literally, like, hell. golf balls, isn't it? She like, looks like... Oh, my God, I can't explain this. Also, Mum... And to whoever else actually listens to the podcast, type in Carla Hamalka black eyes or whatever. No, oh my I've god! I've never seen black eyes like that. I've in my never life. seen anything like it. It's like no. she she looks like a raccoon. Yeah, yeah, it's they horrendous. are really bad. Yeah. Um, nonetheless, she returned to work on January fourth, nineteen ninety three, and tried to pass her injuries off as a result of a traffic accident. Don't know what she's crashing into to make her eyes go like that. <laughs> her co-workers didn't believe her, surprisingly, um, and alerted her parents, who insisted on taking her to the hospital. Once there, Carla claimed to be a battered spouse and filed charges against Bernardo, who was briefly arrested but then granted bail. I think this is part of her plan to be like, we're gonna get, we're gonna get caught soon, and I'm kind of tired of doing this, so I'm gonna oh, yeah, make out wants, like you beat me up and you forced yeah, me to do this. Yeah, she the victim because yeah. it does it, it plays into her plan for the um for her getting immunity. Like, yeah, well, definitely. What, what, what you see I is mean, like she kind of claims to be a victim, but then and and they kind of believe her. Yeah. But then all these videotapes come out, and she's fucking loving it. She's doing it. She's joining in. Police were already beginning to question Paul and what he was capable of. By sheer coincidence, the samples of the samples that Bernardo had given two years earlier were tested right around this time, positively identifying him as the Scarborough rapist. Finally. Dun, dun, dun. 
Paul was then put under surveillance and the police began to question Carla about Paul and the domestic assault. What was really interesting is that the two police officers were quite well known in the area at the time because they were all in the press conferences surrounding Leslie and Kristen's disappearances. So Carla knew who they were and immediately presumed that they knew what she had done, so she refused to talk to them. Hamolka moved to Brampton with her aunt and uncle and told them that Bernardo was both the Scarborough rapist and the killer of Mahaffey and French. Carla then got herself a lawyer and confessed to the crime, but always framed Paul as the main character within the crimes. I always find it so weird that, like, how quickly things unravel with, like, like, especially, like, couples who kill, like, She's so up yeah. for this, and they're doing it for like three, four years, and then suddenly she's like, I can't do this anymore, I'm going to tell everyone. Yeah, they're so loyal to an extent, aren't they? But I like, just find it weird. It's, like, it's a tower of cards, isn't it? It's literally in a matter of days this happens. Like, he beats her up on the 27th, and then, like, what, mm-hmm. seven days later, she goes to hospital, yeah. and then she's like, nah, he's been beating me up, and then, I don't know. It's I, I find it weird. Yeah. I mean, you always have the weaker one to an extent, do you know what I mean? The one who's mm. probably as involved but less invested Yeah. to carrying it on, do you know what I mean? This yeah. has been his fantasy since he was a kid, mm. whereas he's the one who's introduced her to this. So, like, she hasn't been as obsessive about it yeah. and probably thought of all the different ways and stuff. But she's still just as at fault here. Like, I'm not trying to say that she's less to blame or whatever. She should be in prison for the rest of her life as well. Definitely. Um, In February, she sought full immunity from the prosecution in exchange for her cooperation, but this was denied. Instead, Carla was given a week to accept a 12-year prison term for manslaughter or face charges for all three murders. One of them was Tammy Homolka's, whose case had just been reopened, as well as the other crimes. Carla took the deal and testified against Bernardo in his trial, which took place in 1995. After Bernardo's arrest, police began to search the couple's home. With the investigation hanging on the word of Carla, they needed to find evidence to back her claims and identify Paul as the Scarborough rapist, although they did have the DNA, but you need as much as possible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. After 71 days of searching, over 100 tapes were found, including those documenting the rapes of Jane Doe, which show Carla to be an active participant. But the schoolgirl tapes were not found. In addition to this, notebooks written by Paul detailing the crimes he committed were found. Like, why the, Like we say this all the time. What are you keeping a record for? This is what they do, though. They want like, to because they get a, a kick out of it. And it's like a sense of power. They keep, like, little memoirs and little bits like, of memorabilia. But, like, it's so rare that you get away with it, like... But they all do that. That's such a recurring thing. I suppose it's part of the rush, isn't it? Like, they relive it. Like, yeah. your memory's going to go down and down, like, as the years go on, so you need to have, like, the visual... I it was a video or a description in a diary, whatever. Like... Once the police completed their search of the property, Paul's defence team were allowed to enter under the claim that they were clearing out any personal items on behalf of their client. On May 6th, 1993, Ken Murray, Paul's lawyer, said that he found a letter in his briefcase from Paul. The letter instructed him to open it only when he was at his own house and contained directions to a spotlight which leaded to a small attic space. It was there that Murray claimed to find tapes documenting the rape and torture of the schoolgirl victims. 
After watching the rapes, Murray found that Carla was far more involved than her testimony stated. He purposely withheld the tapes from evidence with the plan to discredit Carla when the time came when she was on the witness stand, basically. Yeah. Um, despite this, Carla's plea deal protected her. They could not be used against her in court. He was found out to having the tapes for 17 months before he disclosed them as evidence and was later charged with obstruction of justice, but again, later acquitted. That's such a waste of his time. Like he Yeah. Kept- he secretly kept these tapes to discredit Carla when he couldn't even do that yeah. in the first place. He obviously now... wanted to be the big shot defence lawyer in the newspapers. And now really he's been charged with, her, with yeah. um, withholding the information. Yeah. Hamolka's plea deal was severely criticised in Canadian society, especially after the tapes depicting the couple's rapes were shown at Bernardo's trial. Some prosecutors declared that had they known what was in the tapes, they would have never proposed the deal. Carla literally got the deal of the century. I've never heard of a deal like that. Like, well, she I did. She thought, did like what? She did like twelve years, I think. Yeah, like for two, two and a half murders is essentially what she got convicted of for twelve years. Yeah, and none of the other rapes either. Yeah, that's never. That's like unheard of. Yeah, she's like, very. Very. I don't know if it's clever or lucky that they didn't find that she made this deal before they found them. It was timing, wasn't it? Yeah, like perfect timing. I don't know. But she, I don't think they have double jeopardy either in Canada. So it's not as if like once she's taken the deal, if they found extra evidence, they can try her again at the same. No, crimes. that's what it is. That's literally what this is. They they can't they can't go against what they've promised her. Yeah, yeah. Which seems weird because I very much doubt anyone would give a fuck if you did that. I mean, it's just law, though, isn't it? Like, yeah, I know, I know, no, and I get that, but I feel like, no, no one would even care. Like, imagine if they just if they just broke the law and were like, actually, do you know, we're going to try you, and she then tried to sue them. Everyone would just mm. be like, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carla spent seventeen days on the stand testifying against Paul. On the first of September, Bernardo was sentenced to life in prison without parole for at least twenty-five years for crimes including two counts of first-degree murder, kidnapping, forcible confinement, aggravated assault, and one count of committing an indignity. Yes, to a human body. Oh, okay. And one count of committing an indignity to a human body, which is the dismemberment of Leslie's court. I didn't even know that that was a thing, but I guess, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, it's like defiling the body, isn't it? Yeah, like, but I didn't even know that was a title, like committing an indignity. No, to I've a never heard it. I've never heard it like that. Yeah. But yeah. Um, in 2017, he was declared a dangerous offender and has been denied parole every single time so i read something and i think in canada i don't know if it's like america as well but like obviously after 25 years he was able to go for parole so that was Mm -hmm. 2017 2018 he was declared to be a dangerous offender so he was denied the parole so um so yeah he was eligible for parole so he's done his 25 years he's technically he could get out but They've labelled him as dangerous offender, which is it's not just like a label, like it it means mm-hmm. like we're not prepared to let you go. Yeah, you're still a danger to society. You So no for way. the foreseeable future he's gonna be denied parole every time still. Yeah. So I re- I mean I highly doubt he'll ever get out. 
No, no. Well, it's like the whole thing of um, the idea of prison is to change the offender, isn't it? To mm. make them conform to society and stuff. And in no way, he, he is obviously not changed while being inside. He's still as narcissistic and probably still has the fantasies and all that and makes it known because he's obviously going to tell people, isn't he? Like, Yeah. Um, yeah, so he's just dangerous in every single way. Like, I'm surprised just... that no one's tried to kill him, but I mean... Yeah, that's true. During the trial, Carla also wrote a letter to her parents explaining what happened to Tammy and apologising for it all. The letter included, I have kept this inside myself for so long and I cannot hide it anymore. Both Paul and I are responsible for Tammy's death. Paul was in love with her and wanted to have sex with her. He threatened me and abused me when I refused. No words can say... Uh, sorry, I just think it's so ridiculous. I know. No words I can say can make you understand what he did to me. I tried so hard to save her. I'm so sorry. I have thought many times of killing myself, but I cannot bring myself to put you through the pain of having another daughter die again. I fucking hate that how self-involved you i was gonna kill myself but i don't want to do that to you you have video evidence of you raping your little sister and then saying how much you enjoyed it i just oh my god i literally can't stand this girl she's like um paul paul was in love with her and he made me do it and then i was gonna kill myself but i didn't want to upset you even more so i like i did i stayed alive for you because i'm such a good daughter i think genuinely think she's more dangerous than paul yeah she's fucked because at least he doesn't try and hide it i think i don't know because what how do i word this so ian brady and myra hindi for example Mm -hmm. everyone thinks she's worse than him oh yeah um, for whatever reason everyone has their own reasons so i don't I'm, i don't really I, i'm not really sure why I'm, i brought up myra hindley and ian brady but like everyone everyone thinks that myra hindley is worse than ian brady even though it was like strangers and like random kids they were mm. murdering how the fuck can carla try and make out like she's innocent like she's a victim when she raped her own sister i think I understand what you mean, like, you're trying to find a link. I think it's because even now, people don't expect women to commit those crimes. Why do women always act like they're innocent? Like, you fucking joined in. Because they play society to their advantage. Because in society, they think that women are more capable of child abuse of their own children, less stranger crime, and when they do kill, it's particularly... It's normally like poisonings and stuff like that. And what's the worst is like, for me, like she said to him, like, "Oh, I want to have four kids so you can rape them all." Yeah, like that's mad. Like she's gonna do that for the rest of her life. She's gonna have these feelings, and to yeah. think that she's now gone on to leave prison and get married and have children. How the fuck could someone have children with someone like that who said stuff like that? Mm-hmm. I get you say stuff when you're like stupid and young, but, but she was like obviously manipulated the situation again. To she's like 21 when she's saying this stuff. She's not like a dumb kid. Yeah. I mean, not that I've ever made comments like that. Even when you're a kid, you know that stuff like that yeah. isn't right. I but don't like, know. I think it's because you expect when men commit crimes, you expect them to be violent, and you're not surprised when you find out it's a man who's been the rapist. Yeah, like yes, women was... rape, but it's not as 
known because it's not as covered in the media as well. It, it just makes me so mad how, like, if you're evil, just fucking be evil. Don't be a victim about it. Yeah, but that's they're using society for their advantage. This is what I mean when I talk about how like society is so goes towards the men, but there's plenty of women who manipulate the situation to themselves. Yeah, but I think also as well, it's like you're making like other women who are abused and neglected by their partners like look look bad. Like you're making their stories less credible by lying about it. It's like women that. It's like women that lie about being raped. Like you're making those women that have genuinely gone through that horrific thing yeah. less credible. You're making the doubts that men and lawyers and judges and whatever put into the public's mind about women being so manipulative and just they can say all this and they'll get a man in jail. Yeah. You're making that credible when actually... You've been raped. You just want justice for the action, that for the attack that you've had to go through. Like, mm. it is it sets the whole every system back like seventy years. Like when shit like that happens. So Carla was released from prison in two thousand and five, having been denied the possibility of parole. Essentially, she went for parole and she got denied it. So she got released from prison when her sentence ended. She didn't get any early release okay. or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, she served her ten plus her ten years plus two years for the involvement in Tammy's death. She got two years for killing and raping her own sister. Well, two uh, years. I don't really understand the logic. If that, if she, so she got two, two, ten years for these two murders. So she got five years per murder, which mm-hmm. in in and of itself only is two years. fucking ridiculous. And then she only got two years for Tammy's death because she essentially was like an accomplice to murder. Like she wasn't. She wasn't convicted of murder. She was convicted she planned of... it with him? Yes, I know. That's what I'm saying. This is so fucked. Yeah. So she's she never this... actually been convicted of murder. No, because she got this plea deal. She fucking got... Literally, she got away with murder. Sorry, but whoever... who, Whatever lawyer or public defender, whoever wrote up that deal, they they better not be practising now. Well, no, I re- I think that people that the people that did that did end up losing their jobs because of the scrutiny that they faced after it but yeah so after she was relieved from prison she moved to the french caribbean island of guadalupe yeah in an attempt to avoid media scrutiny in 2007 where she married thierry bordelais and had three children she now lives in canada again so can also side note this thierry guy just so happens to be her lawyer's brother. Oh, for fuck's sake. And she had her first child in 2007. Yeah, so two years after she comes out of prison. But also, 17 years after she's killed her sister and said that she wants to have children so Mm -hmm. that Paul can rape them, she then is allowed to breed and have a child. How is that right? Sorry, but Thierry will know as well the ins and outs Uh, because as much as you're not supposed to talk about it they talk about it with their family they tell them about facts of the case if they can oh well yeah i mean this was really famous anyway so regardless of whether or not his brother is her lawyer like he would know about her but like no but what what i mean is he'll know facts that happened that the media don't yeah that's true i just don't what do you say like oh i've changed like and people actually believe that like do you just forget that she fucking raped her sister like how could you 
ever look at someone and think, I'm in love with that person, mm. even though she did these horrendous things. So she remained under the radar until 2014, when her sister, Laurie, which was, I think she was the youngest sister. Uh, I don't know. Um, she was called as a witness in a murder trial for Luke Magnotta. Remember him? Yeah. The psycho, psycho who was subjected to a Netflix's documentary, Don't Fuck With Cats. Yeah. Um, he was a wanker as well. Anyway... He became obsessed with Carla, going as far as to mail body parts to her sister's home because he obviously couldn't mail them to Carla herself. So what he was what was he doing? He was like he killed cats on the internet, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, so it was like the internet this like chat forum and Facebook group, they found him basically. And he was killing cats and um I think at one point he like fed a kitten to a snake. Uh, um, and you no, know, I remember the one video where he like puts the cat in like a vacuum bag. Yeah. Um, and then he went on to commit a murder. He killed um a guy. I can't remember what his name was. Yeah, I remember. Um, he, he like only committed him up. one murder. Yeah, yeah. He only committed one murder. So like he killed this guy and then dressed in his clothes while he chopped this guy up. So that's what the CCTV is. Is him yes, like taking, yeah? So basically, he became obsessed with Carla from the trial because he's Canadian in the same area as well. So it was like very known. Do you know what mm. I mean? Like what they did. Yeah. Um, and because he couldn't find where Carla was living or whatever, he would mail body parts to her her sister as like a present for Carla. So Sorry, that's- during the trial. <laughs> During the trial, Laurie disclosed that her sister was now living in Quebec with her husband and children. Carla was later found to have no connection to Magnotta or the murder that he committed. Oh, well, that's good. But she's still a piece of shit. <sighs> I feel okay about saying that. I feel drained from this. That's that's the end. So she's yeah. free and she's repopulated and... yeah. But this guy's going to stay in prison. Paul's in prison still, which is good. Yeah, he's still in prison where he deserves to be. Um, Her life's just going to be a fucking misery. Like, it's 15 years on. She's still getting... Yeah. Anyway. Uh, um, Like, not being funny, but live with your actions. Yeah. You did it. Yeah. I'm not going to feel sorry for you. So, next week we're doing Ian Brady and Myra Hindley. Mm Mm-hmm. Are you excited? I am excited. Probably one of the most famous cases that come out of England. Especially because where I live as well. Well, actually, I was going to say, very near to Lydia's home, and also Myra Hindley went to the prison that I work in. So, just how near to my home, the hospital Ian Brady was at, Ashworth, is a five-minute drive down my road. (laughs) So, mum, when I was little, I was a very naughty child. So, she used to say that if I didn't uh, book up my idea, she'd take me to visit Ian. (laughs) Oh my god, that's <laughs> traumatizing. So I've known about these murders since I was very young. Do you know what? The only thing that I like is respect the right, right word, but like respect about Ian Brady is he's just always been like, I don't want to be released from prison. Well, like, I guess they're both cool. dead now anyway, but he was always like, No, I, do you know what? Keep me here. This is where I fucking belong. That's um, going to be a big case. Yeah, I mean, I've done the initial research. I just need to do some more, like, reading and stuff. But Yeah, I'm going to watch some videos and podcasts and stuff of it. Um, So, yeah, hopefully this comes goes out on Saturday. Is that your plan? Yeah, I'll do my best, yeah. I'll um, edit it tonight, tomorrow morning. And then 
Me and Lydia are going to be together Woo-hoo. on Sunday night. Well, Sunday to like next Saturday or something. We're quite a few days. So me and Lydia are going up to Edinburgh and we're going also to Loch Ness to go find Nessie. So be sure to go on to got your wet suit. Yeah, be sure to be sure to go on to Instagram. Um what is it? Everything with the girls? Yeah. Cause Might we'll do some post, posts Yeah, we'll well. post it's we'll post some witchy. little wholesome adventures that we get up to. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. So yeah, we'll see you next week for Ian Brady and Myra Hingley. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.